Get ready to quit the build. The QTB crew is rounding up all the gaming news and hot topics of the week with a little extra something. And here are your hosts, Bruno and Nick. What it do? Welcome to the QTB podcast. We're so glad you could join us. My name is Bruno and with me as always is my childhood friend and co-host Nick Lavender Gooms. How are you doing, sir? Ooh, lavender is a is not only a delightful color, but also a delightful scent. I am fantastic, Bruno. H- happy to be here with you on this episode 10. We are officially in double digits, my friend. How about that? Wow, 10 episodes in and I before before we like get started i just wanted to say happy belated birthday sir it was your birthday last week what was that monday and so i didn't get to wish you a happy birthday on the last podcast because we had a special guest on justin and there was so much going on that it just slipped my mind but i wanted to just say happy birthday sir how was it how old are you now? Oh, do I have to say? No, you can just give us. Uh, you can okay. just give us a roundabout. I know. Number. I know our audience. It's fine. Yeah, thirty-three. Thirty-three. There you go. Trey, Trey. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it, it's a good feeling. I know we, we had a little bit of a, you know, just it, it's it's a pandemic. We're not we're not going anywhere. So and we had a huge snowstorm uh, that passed through on that day. So we just kind of bunkered down. You know, yeah. had me some. Uh, had me a Boston cream cake. That oh, was nice. is that you your can't so? Go wrong. So is that your like? Do you do you do the same thing every year for for your birthday in terms of like a Boston cream cake, or do you just try to do something different every year? I mean, I'm gonna be doing a Boston cream cake from now on because it was friggin' delicious. <laughs> That's what like, I know. That's the tradition yeah. now. Now it's now it's part of the family. We've got to do it every year. Yeah. <laughs> She was like, "Oh, we can get this farmers market to deliver, you know, or like the Dutch market to deliver, because you know they, you know, they 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 got to they got to make money somehow yeah, in yeah. the pandemic." And I'm like, "Oh, great! They have a Boston cream pie because I've always wanted, you know, to just get a whole Boston cream pie." And she's like, "Oh, they have Boston cream cake." I'm like, "Huh?" <laughs> you know, and, okay, well, freaking delicious. But thanks, man. Um, yeah, and you know, it, it's uh, it's it's awesome that uh, you know we got to. Uh, like I said, 10 episodes and counting for both of us here. And I do want to say to our, our listeners, first of all, to each and every one of you, thank you so much yes. for listening to this podcast. Yes, you guys you. make this 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's every time I, I look at our, our, our numbers for the podcast and one more person listens, I, I, I'm just humbled of like, Mary. wow, you know, someone's taking time out of their day to add us to their routine. And, and with all the, the, the many podcasts out there. Uh, thank you guys so much uh, for making us a part of your routine. And if you could, please, we are asking if you um, are whatever whatever platform you listen on, if they allow for reviews, uh, please, if you could uh, leave a review because that helps us get a little bit more exposure Definitely. and uh, will help other people to also check out you know what we have going on here. Uh, with the QTB podcast, if you could, especially I think on Apple Podcasts, there's a there's a quick and easy way on iTunes to uh, leave that review. So if you could, that would be amazing. And uh, yeah, uh, what else you got for us, Bruno? Yeah, well, we have a great episode in store for everyone today. But before we get started, today's podcast was sponsored in part by Pierce Unlimited. For marketing media that works and bespoke design to power your business, visit pierceunlimited.com. So I really just want to talk about my favorite new obsession and that is Lego. I yeah. started watching Lego Masters and I've always mm-hmm. been into Lego since I was a kid. Right. But I tell you with all the licensed content that they have now in the Lego world, it's hard not to find something that everyone can enjoy. They've got the new Mario world things out where you can like move Mario around and for Christmas yeah. I got the NES the big NES cartridge like console and and TV yeah. which is amazing I saw that yeah but they recently announced what is it Sonic the Hedgehog correct yeah so the the big announcement was that uh, Sonic the Hedgehog's Green Hill Zone is going to get its own Lego set and it's really cool because the the system that was used in order to basically greenlight this to actually get made, and I hadn't heard of this before, but now I'm definitely paying attention to it, is something called the Lego Ideas Program. Yeah. Uh, with with the, the basic concept being that anybody you know that is a is a Lego builder 
can come up with, which is all of us, let's be honest, we're all Lego <laughs> builders, it can, can come up with these concepts on this website for different franchises or just a really cool idea for a Lego set that maybe not necessarily is tied to any kind of franchise. And you put it on there, and then people can discuss it and, and vote for it. And if, if you get enough people, I think the magic number is 10,000 people to basically say, hey, I want that. Yeah. Then it will actually go across, you know, the the Lego ideas guys, you know, <laughs> his desk to decide Mr. if it's Lego. something that can be Mr. Lego. Maybe Will Arnett himself yeah, yeah. to decide <laughs> if it's if it's a set that can either, you know, is can can happen. Well, I'm sure there's all sorts of uh, you know legal loopholes to jump through with getting the the you know franchise approval and and, yeah. and whatnot, but licensing, but. Um, this is a really cool idea. Had you heard of this Lego Ideas program before this article came out? Yes. Yeah, so I have back when I started really getting into Lego um, and seeing all of these new bundles and sets pop up, I noticed that they were posting a lot of things that might come up or that just like you had said that people have put together and one of the first ones i saw was stranger things there was a stranger things Mm. crossover that somebody had created and created like the upside down it was like will's house and then the upside down right underneath of it and Mm. that got turned into a lego set so I have heard of it, but I was really, really surprised to see Sonic on the list because I was a Sega Genesis kid growing up. Like, I did have Nintendo as well for all the Nintendo fans out there. But I think, you know, being born in the late 80s, 87, 88, you probably had... Sega Genesis, it was definitely marketed towards us and older crowds too, which was really interesting about Sega because they like hooked everybody in with these, these, the like character of Sonic to be like, we got to have a Sonic character. But then they also Mm -hmm. had like more intense games, Road Rash or any of those. Primal Rage. rage yeah Yeah. oh man that even Mm -hmm. sounded intense like those were the those were the games that scared moms in the 90s Oh, yeah. oh, I don't know they about this one, David. I don't know, yeah. David. This might be too intense for you because it's got a lot of blood in there. Do you see it says rated T for you're not a teenager, David. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it was it was a Sega console that that caused the, the first like really big like backlash that I think actually made it to the House or like Senate. Uh, one of those like briefings where they bring people in just to like discuss things. And it was, um, you know, that game Night Trap for the Sega uh, Sega, I think it was Sega CD. Sega um, CD. Yeah, it was like it was that it, FMV game where like you had to help these like girls who were having like a slumber party dodge these like blood sucking vampires that were trying to get them, and it was all like live action acting. Oh, okay. I'm looking, to, like, I'm looking yeah. it up right now. Okay, I'm, I'm looking yeah. it up, and it's it so looks, cringy. <laughs> it looks like an interactive horror movie like b-rated horror movie there's pixelated they like took pixelated versions of actual scenes and maybe i maybe this was the very is this the very first dvd nick i mean mean, the sega cd was way ahead of its time i don't know really yeah because they were putting full full motion video sequences. I mean, the PC was doing things like that, too. I don't know if Night Trap was the first game, but... And just so you're aware for all of our listeners out there, every single picture on... And this isn't just a ploy to get you to go run to our website, because we'll be putting these <laughs> on quitthebuild.com. But nearly every picture that you see is girls in some type of sports bra or getting out of the shower in some type oh, of boy. negligee, because yeah. that's what they knew would bring in the viewers exactly. of of these older gamers are trying to get maybe teenagers to to get yeah. in on the gaming scene and this like hit all the buttons of 80s slash late 80s slash early 90s b-rated horror movie i can't believe it's a video game i've got we've got to see a playthrough of this there's got to be oh, somebody. I've, I've, yeah they did a remaster of it recently i think there was a kickstarter to bring Wait, it back but there's yeah. a remaster of it somebody I was mean, like we need this in this needs yeah. to be in 1080p because this is right away it's not enough it's not enough. 
Yeah, but no, the whole reason why I bring it up is because that there during that year, I think that was the whole reason why the ESRB was founded to raid games was because these games were coming out and there was no real warning. So I guess you know you can you can partly thank Sega for that. Hey, but, um, thank you, yeah, Sega. You know, Appreciate that. Their whole quest for for you know characters with with two like Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, led down a, a very <laughs> different path. The only character that really had toed in the 90s was Conker, like Conker's Bad Fur oh. Day. Do you remember that? Oh like my that was Nintendo trying to to be Sega, I think. Like they they were like, you know, we need something that's going to entice the same crowd that likes Night Trap. Obviously Night mm-hmm. Trap was a was a was a banger everywhere. We all know Night Trap now. <laughs> so we need something to compete and Conquer's Bad Fur Day shows up. So I mean, within the first 15 minutes you encounter the villain, the great and mighty Pooh, who's just a giant <laughs> turd. So um just yeah. A giant turd. That's what that whole game was, was just a giant turd. No, I'm just actually, I mean it did they did a remaster of it. It yeah. rare replay came back and they decided that somebody we need that the world needed to experience conquer's bad fur day again and yeah. so therefore we're all blessed to be able to play it on rare <laughs> replay again thank you thank yeah, you thanks so much i want to say i got through maybe like two hours of it before i was just like i can't like it's 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 in hindsight it's just trying so hard to be irreverent and like that was the whole essence of uh, of sega's quest and it's you know, going all the way back to what we're talking about here with Sonic, that's kind of the birthplace of it is that that iconic character that his whole motif is about fighting, not necessarily fighting the system, but just, you know, being being rebellious, being being cool. Being, just got to go fast. You just, I mean, you have to go as fast as possible. Otherwise, what, what what's the blast processing for? Right. right. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Now, I found it especially interesting that one of the reasons or what, what the actual set itself um, this article claims that it's based on the Green Hill Zone, not from the original Sonic the Hedgehog, but from Sonic Mania um, that came out uh, ah. a few, a couple, several years back at this point. But did you ever have a chance to play Sonic Mania? Uh, I don't know that I have. I've, I think I wanted to play that. That was the remake. Are you like, or the? It wasn't a remake, so to speak, as it was like an up, up, like it got a facelift. It's essentially yeah. the same to like platform style that we're all used to but with new improved levels that weren't quite Mm -hmm. the same is that correct exactly you can basically play uh sonic mania on almost any platform you can think of now um, and you can get a pretty good deal on it it's one i highly recommend because what had happened was that you know over the last like 20 years especially the last decade well i'd say as early as 2006 with uh sonic 06 the legendary disaster of a game that the Sonic franchise kind of lost its way, and it, it kept trying to, to find a way to make 3D Sonic work. At no point, I guess, did Sega ever think, hey, maybe we should go back to our roots and really explore, you know, a true kind of Sonic 2, Sonic 3, and Knuckles-style platformer again, which is what fans of the franchise were really, really yearning for. And so there was a guy by the name of Christian Whitehead that... He created a remaster of the Sonic CD for that that Sega CD, which we were just talking about with Night Trap. And, you know, very few people had a Sega CD because you had to have like a ton of add-ons for the Sega Genesis to even play it. You had to have the, uh, I think the 32X for the Genesis and then the Sega CD got slapped on top. It was just this, like this Franken console. Are you sure? I thought the Sega CD was its own was its own separate console that came out. No, the Sega CD was it was an attachment. It, it was not its own thing. Now they did uh, come out yeah, later. Your Sega Saturn is what I'm thinking of. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're mm-hmm. you're you are correct. So yeah, I'm looking at a picture right now. Yeah, Sega CD was this monstrosity oh, that yeah. somebody just. <laughs> Which is which is so interesting because we were just talking about the Sony PlayStation, um, the Nintendo Sony PlayStation. Let right. me rephrase that, mm-hmm. and how that was kind of this like hybrid cartridge disc console. This is essentially Sega was doing the same thing, but they were all upgrading it, so it wasn't like a separate thing. They were just like add on, add on. But I can tell you from from firsthand experience, Sega. 32x did not work 90% of the time. It was ridiculously mm-hmm. hard to get situated. There were these metal clamps that came with it yeah. that looked like 
I don't know, something that you might put in your mouth at the dentist to try and pull your cheeks <laughs> apart. And you had to put those in first because apparently the cartridge, the 32X cartridge, wasn't thick enough to hit the walls of the whatever. So it needed this, right. this metal clamp for support or just style. I don't know. It, it didn't function either way. So it's not like it was <laughs> integral yeah. to the whole system, but then you had to like stick, stick it on top. And the thing was regular Sega games couldn't be played in the 32 X. So if you had a 32 X cartridge, you could play it in the 32 X, but you couldn't play regular. You had to take the 32 X out and then put the, so it was so hard to get set up that it mm -hmm. wasn't something that you could just like, like easily plug in like the game genie and just be like, here we go, about to play some virtual fighter, because that's the only reason I got a 32X <laughs> was to play virtual fighter. I, I mean, can't even play it, Nick. Yeah. I mean that game was that would get that game was ahead of its time. But yeah, it's you know, so the, the, what I was saying with with the with the Sega C D was there was a very limited lineup of games that actually came out for it um, because it just got it just it, it lost momentum so quickly. It was kind of dead on arrival. But Sonic CD was a really, really cool game, um, and it, it had a lot of unique mechanics that other Sonic games didn't have, and a fantastic soundtrack. So this Christian Whitehead guy uh, basically makes a proposal to Sega of like, hey guys, I'm really good at like making retro you know, style games, um, and I think there's a market for people that really want to see Sega, uh, Sonic CD kind of remade and, and have a chance to play a game that's so hard to play right now. You know, even emulation can't really get it right. Yeah. So Sega, like they, they liked what they saw, and they took a chance on this guy. And I mean that that this was a, a way before Sonic Mania that he created. I think it was it's Christian Whitehead Studios, and that remake of Sonic CD or remaster is a fantastic game to play. I I I still come back to that on my smartphone every now and then. Um, so he already kind of established some credentials with Sega early on. So after you know more kind of mediocre games, and I think it was uh, that Sonic Boom game that came out where they like tried to change the appearance of Sonic and Tails and Knuckles and like elongated them. Have you seen that? Uh, I don't think I have. Oh, you're going to want to punch that into Google. Sonic Boom. Sonic Boom. Yeah. It was a TV series and it was also a video game thing and they were trying to like reinvent Sonic and it was it was not good. Well, you know, surprisingly when you type in Sonic Boom on Google, yeah. um the Wikipedia page comes up about the sound associated with Shockwave. So it's a lot of planes and then oh. one little thing about Sonic, but I clicked on it and okay, yeah, yeah, this is where he went. This is where he decided to be uh Drake from Uncharted, right? Basically. Like, he was yeah. just like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be Uncharted, yep. Sonic, and and be all cool. They all had wraps. Apparently, they didn't have socks or or gloves. Right. So they all wore bandaged wraps, wraps up down. their hands. Yeah. He's got a scarf on, a brown scarf. <laughs> He's rocking. And Tails has on goggles, which is good because he kind of flies around and a wrench. Yeah. And a wrench. I don't know what he's fixing. But he's got one. Uh, as you can see, it was they were trying for something different. But it, yeah, it w it was a colossal flop. Um, both the, the TV show and and the game. The game is its own special level of, of of Sonic flop, and that's saying something. And you know, at, at that point in in Sonic's lifespan, like they were really looking for a hit, and I think they made the right call because they reached out to Christian Whitehead, and they're like, "Hey, man, we really want to do not like a remake of Sonic One or Sonic Two or Sonic Three. Like we want a new like retro style classic Sonic game." Uh, and we want you to to run run that project. And it was the to this day, I still think it's one of the best decisions that that Sega ever made uh, to try and and get Sonic back on track because Sonic Mania is such a beautiful game. It's a love letter to those classic Sonic experiences. And like yeah. I, and that, that's why I wanted to bring it up for the article is because they mentioned that it, the Green Hill Zone is uh, is also in Sonic Mania, and it is the first two. Uh, stages of Sonic Mania. The first is Green Hill Zone, and there's such such cool instrumental remixes in there that every now and then I'll pop it pop it back on just to to play the you know Acts One and Two of Green Hill Zone to to listen to them, um, and also Chemical Plant Zone from Sonic Two is the second oh. zone in that. After that point, they kind of go off in their that, own that, direction. That soundtrack, oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Oh man. I every time so so fun fact, apparently Michael Jackson had a hand mm -hmm. in making the soundtrack of that and it slaps. 
So yeah, I yeah, yeah. I completely understand that, bro. Because uh, I am like, why didn't we play this at the at my middle school dance? Right? Like yeah. we we didn't have dances in middle school. That was mm-hmm. a joke because we went to a very conservative Christian school, and everyone Correct. knows that dancing leads five to word. sex. Yeah, it's a five letter. <laughs> we don't. We, we, our, we don't do that yeah. here. Our entire our entire school experience was the the story of Footloose. Dancing is forbidden. <laughs> I mean, it really was. Like, it's we not an exaggeration. Footloose. That was our yeah. school. That was our school. We went to the Footloose school. <laughs> yeah. There was there. I mean, it was that was brutal. Uh, you you got out before we got to that year, but our we didn't have a prom. Prom was also a four letter word. We had a banquet, um, oh, senior yes. senior banquet, and yeah, you would go. And I mean, Bruno, it was it was it was depressing. I mean, you just kind of like came in with your date and sat down and had some dinner, and then maybe some things happened. And that was it. It was like the White like, House correspondence dinner, yes. but with no, no comedian. comedian. Yeah. <laughs> with no comedian. <laughs> Trevor, <laughs> You're just like, yeah. why are we all here? This, yeah. is, this is terrible. <laughs> Trevor Noah's not going to pop up and be like, wow, how about this? No. <laughs> wow, how about this? Yeah. <laughs> and the platter, not not nearly as good. Not nearly as good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's it's it was a really cool game experience and one that I, I recommend to anybody that, uh, that enjoyed classic sonic in any capacity especially because you can get the game for such a steal of a price these days but uh very cool to see sonic the hedgehog kind of get his due um in the lego world now i will point out that this is not the first time that sonic the hedgehog has appeared in a lego set bruno do you know what the first one was tell me nick what is the first time he he appeared in one he first showed up in lego dimensions that was that uh, that Toys to Life oh. thing that Lego did kind of at the height of yeah. the Skylanders and Amiibo craze. Yeah, when Lego okay. tried to cash in. So he, he, he actually has his own figure, and I don't think there was much more than just the figure because their whole thing with Lego Dimensions was just kind of a little, little basic set um, that they, they went off in some really wacky directions with Lego Dimensions, man. Like, there was, like, a Scooby-Doo set, like, a Back to the Future set. Like, almost yeah. any any decade of, like, animation you can think of, there was, like, some kind of, of representative from that. But it, it that, that whole thing failed very quickly. I remember seeing that, even as someone that was an avid collector of Amiibos that was kind of in on the, the whole Toys to Life craze and being like, yeah, I don't think... I don't think that one's going to stick around. This isn't for me, mom and dad, as yeah. as young Nick would say. I'm going to need a little more than just action, man, to get to get me interested <laughs> in tr- begging my parents to go to Toys R Us. Okay, yeah. commercial. Yeah. So that's just a throwback for our for our longtime listeners. There, mm-hmm. we do some callbacks to previous episodes, as always. So. That seems like a great uh, stopping point for right now. So um, I think we have some words to say about some stuff. And hey, we're back. And I have, unfortunately, some uh, some news that is uh, a little sobering that did happen on Thursday. You may have heard about this, Bruno. The, the news broke that Robert A. Altman, who was the founder and CEO of Bethesda, which is a you know certainly a, a massive yeah. video game developer passed away at the age mm. of seventy three, and you know wow. they didn't they didn't give too much too many specifics about the cause, but rather you know just kind of a, a celebration on 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 Twitter and beyond happening for kind of the life of of a, a visionary for such a massive game studio that yeah. shaped so many. We, we were before the show we were just talking about some of the franchises and. You know the the ones that 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 popped up for me were were Fallout and the Elder Scrolls, and then you started naming off some more like Doom, and I'm like, oh yeah, that one, and it just like yep. like hit after hit after hit. Um, what were what yeah. were some of the most memorable uh, game franchises for you that came from Bethesda? Definitely, I think Doom, Doom and Quake, those uh, and Wolfenstein, any of the first person shooters. I think that Bethesda has has created have really impacted all first person shooters that we see and it's a testament to doom especially is this mm. testament to 
just raw computing power now like yeah. it's just associated with with high graphics cards and and fast processing and 240 frames a second and it's amazing to see so to see something like doom being played i've seen it played on a samsung tv or something like that it was like an appliance like a yeah. like some type of household appliance to being the epitome of what a graphics card can do is pretty amazing so that is a legacy that anyone should be proud of and the impact on gaming is going to be seen for forever so kudos robert altman thank you for your contribution i mean what would we do without these games yeah. like quake kind of paved the way for a lot of competitive online games doom was probably right like i i don't think there was another I think it is the first first-person shooter game. So those in and of themselves are just huge impacts to the way games were developed and created. And I'm a big first-person shooter guy. Like, I love Halo. I love GoldenEye 007. And we wouldn't have been anywhere if it weren't for the original doom yeah so amazing absolutely amazing to see where it's come and to see what somebody can do in the span of you know however long he was in the gaming industry right. i mean he was only he only lived to 73 so his doom came out what in the 90s right so yeah the original doom came out in 93 it's worth noting that you know doom itself it wasn't it wasn't created by bethesda it was rather yeah. um it was it was published you know of course john carmack and yeah, yeah, john yeah. romero were the were kind of the visionaries behind the the doom franchise but you know bethesda has really ushered it along through yeah through the ages to make it more than just a, a memory in the past um, uh, of of a great first person shooter experience because thinking hey, about hey publishers push out games yeah oh no hey it's, yeah. it's, it's it's that's nothing to sneeze at right like <laughs> yeah. you got you got to have them you can't have one without the yeah. other a developer and a publisher so it's 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 very cool to see the direction that that Doom has come into um, in recent years um, you know games like of course Doom Eternal that really did a good job of capturing the essence and the speed of Doom I think I think I think that gaming in general really needed kind of a callback to that. I think shooters as a whole kind of slowed down in the in the 2000s and 2010s and became yeah. more methodical, you know what I mean? More of a Halo-style game. Nothing that, not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. But, you know, there was definitely something missing of that that classic Doom style where walking in the game was like was like power running, you know, for like <laughs> yeah, running, I mean it was yeah. just the the, the 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 speed and momentum that you could you could pick up was just in, insane. It felt like it felt like a video game. I yeah. think you're right. Like we've experienced so many games that have tried to pull us into this immersive world and say, "Hey, we're going for realism here." Instead of just making you this this BA soldier running and gunning balls to the wall, yeah. you know, with a BFG, a big freaking gun, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, tearing up demons from hell. Let's go. What are we doing? I, I think for a lot of people you that, that enjoy that style of game, there probably isn't a more like cathartic release of just stress than, than to, be, to play that style of game where it's just... Yeah. unbridled carnage and just completely <laughs> unapologetic about what it's trying to be. I've, I've been playing through yeah. um, Doom 64 um, because they did do a re-release of that game, kind of remaster um, that I, I'm playing it on Stadia, but you can get it on many, many, many platforms for like a couple bucks. And what a value because, I mean, I'm, I'm just having a blast going <laughs> back through and uh, re-experiencing that game from my childhood, which I could not beat as a kid. So I'm kind of kind of glad I get another chance to... Uh, <laughs> to get nice. through that but you know and look we've we've just spent the last you know like 10 minutes talking about just one franchise that bethesda yeah, really. has, has a hand in and that's that that speaks so much to the legacy of bethesda you know i remember you know i i didn't get a chance to play any of the games in the fallout series until about i want to say seven or eight years ago i remember in in high school 
you know, I, I didn't really have a whole lot of PC games or have a lot of knowledge about like what good PC games were. And I remember I had a friend um, from school that we went over to his house once and he had Fallout 2 on his computer and he was playing it. And I remember just watching what he was doing and, and just, it was insane. Like he was going up to like random like hobos in this like wasteland and like punching them. <laughs> And like getting getting stuff, and I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? He's like, whatever I want, and I'm like, whoa, back up, buddy. That's not how video games work. Like I'm a Mega Man guy. Like I'm a I pick a stage and go from left to right. There's no choices here. Yep. And you know, it, it, and then I realized and did more research and realized found out what an incredible series Fallout was, and so ahead of its time for its ability to let you really carve your own path through a game based on how you wanted to build a character and, and you know, do you want to go through the... It, it's, it's crazy. Like, the original Fallout, you can go through the entire game without ever killing a person. You can go that full diplomacy route and, like, talk your way through situations wow. and, and get to the same ending as if you just went in guns blazing without asking questions. That's so cool. Like, that the games, you know, up until that point, I feel didn't like that, that would be my real life thing, too. Like, that would be <laughs> something that I, I want to feel like I would be the yeah. guy that would be running and gunning with a sword and, like, you know, the big buff dude. But honestly, I would be the guy that tried to talk my way out of every situation yeah. and be like, you know what? I probably don't need that. You can have it. Take it. It's Take yours. it. Yeah. It's all yours. It's all yours. Yeah. Hey, have you, do you want a Snickers bar? Because I have one in my bag. We could, we could split it. If you're, hungry, <laughs> if you're hungry, that would be me. <laughs> that would be me. Like, yeah. if there would be no, there would be no, you know, Sears police get down on the ground. Yeah. There would be none of that. It would all go out the door. So right. I'm, uh, I, I agree. I think, you know, we talk about being a visionary and talk about Bethesda, but, you know, this to, to be a co-founder of a company that has decided to take a chance on a new medium like video games is incredible because if you know anything about the history of video games, you know that the, after the video game crash of like the late 80s, nobody wanted to invest in, in gaming anymore. That was that was a stupid endeavor. And so it's almost surprising that we still have video games to this day because <laughs> there, it was that bad. Like it was that yeah. bad, people. People, investors, and you think Game Stonks was bad. Mm -hmm. This was horrible. Yeah. Like everyone was pulling out. Nobody wanted to fund video games anymore because in the late 80s, they just cranked them out. They were just like, here you go, here you go, here you go. Yeah. You know, anybody with, uh, you know, they just opened opened the door essentially kind of like Netflix and they're just like if you've got an idea you've got a Netflix show call 1-800-Netflix <laughs> shows that was, we'll take 20 <laughs> we'll take 20 yeah. yes so oh my gosh oh. you know an interesting story about uh, you know I, I moved out here to an area that's actually very close to Bethesda uh, well, what was Bethesda now it's Zenimax um, where their their studios are based in the United States um, they have I think one other location in I want to say Montreal somewhere in Canada and I didn't realize how close I was to their studios until one day we were we were at a real estate uh, agency closing on our new house. Of course, you know this is a long, boring process. I've I've signed my papers. Uh, Krista's signing her papers, and I, I pop on because you know it's like 2016. What am I doing? I'm playing Pokemon Go. What are you What are you talking about? Whatever I'm doing, <laughs> am I sleeping? I'm playing Pokemon Go. Am I pooping? I'm yeah. playing Pokemon Go. Nope. Po yeah. yeah. Well, well, you're lucky that you could play Pokemon Go when you could when you poop because there's nothing around. Well, me. That, yeah, that was a whole whole different problem. We had like if I was lucky, I get like one <laughs> like Pidgey outside. I'm like, yeah, give me that Pidgey. Did you? You just should just have made your toilet like a, a, a poke stop, a public spot. Yeah, poke. You think stop. people like, didn't try a... that because they did? <laughs> I have reviewed. Um, I have a, 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 a an account that qualifies to like review other people's like submissions for for what are called portals, but they, they, they become Pokestops. And yeah, like yeah. all the time people are like trying to submit like, oh, my dog or my, my porch or my TV or like this, this lawn gnome. And like, <laughs> yeah. Gnome. And like, I have to be like, no, no, rejected, rejected. <laughs> yeah. Like, and like in, in the comments, it'd be like, pretty please approve this. I don't have anything else in the area because like if it's not like a historical landmark or like a, a natural feature, 
you know, and because of the lawsuits that they had with people going on in, in the people's backyards. But yeah, you know, so it's, uh, you know, in other words, I was always playing this game even when I wasn't playing this game. Um, and so we're, <laughs> we're sitting there and we're, we're closing on this. There's this big window out front um, that kind of oversees this uh, kind of office park area. And I look that, that there's a Poke Stop nearby, and I go to spin it. And the Poke Stop is this giant suit of power armor from the Fallout games. And I'm like, oh, shut the front door. Like, what? Why? <laughs> either this, someone like set up a fraudulent stop, or there's something here I don't know about. How could I be this, this close to like this awesome, like, life size suit of power armor from, from Fallout? And then I look up, and there it is, right in front of me, Bethesda. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm fanboying oh. out. You know, like in the middle of this like super somber, like you know, the other person's there that's selling, and we're buying, and like you know, supposed to be focusing on the papers. And I'm like, Krista, 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 <laughs> das Bethesda. That's yeah, Bethesda. That's where they make the games. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it was so cool um, to be like just just in the in the general vicinity. Of course, we drove by, and everybody had like. Uh, uh, fallout like bumper stickers and all that kind of thing you could tell the people that were working oh, there awesome. were, were geeking out just as hard as i was and so you know it's 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 so cool that even though in recent years they've kind of fallen into some turbulent times with just making some weird calls you know fallout 76 left a, a bad taste in a lot of gamers mouths yeah. you know it's a game that i've played very heavily but that I waited until long after they ironed out a lot of those launch day issues. And even with those kind of of, of misses, you know, and, and seeing that the, the Microsoft buyout is probably going to help keep them a little more accountable and I think focused and on track to release consistent and quality games like we're seeing with that Indiana Jones announcement. Um, I think that Bethesda has and ZeniMax has a lot of story left to tell. Um, and yeah. I think that uh, that the legacy of, of Robert Altman that he left behind with all these just groundbreaking series, like we did, we haven't even talked about Elder Scrolls. I mean, think about what yeah, the Elder really. Scrolls series. <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it's funny you, t- you, t- you talked about like trying trying to run Doom on a fridge. You know, they they were running Doom on. Uh, there was a recent news article where someone got Doom working on a pregnancy test. I wish I was kidding. <laughs> That it was like a little matrix yeah, display, and they plugged yeah. it in, and it's like what the yeah. whole game is like. What can you run Doom on? And you know, the same thing is true of, of Skyrim, right? Like every it seems like every year we get Skyrim on a new a new device, or remastered, or in VR, and just even though it's kind of like a meme status at this point, how much Skyrim has been remade and remastered and re released. It's a testament to just what a what a groundbreaking and and awesome concept of a game that Skyrim is that to this day we can still be wanting to replay it and modding it and, and experiencing it on different platforms. Have you had much experience with Skyrim? I haven't, but you mentioned ZeniMax, and it said that Altman was also the co-founder of their parent company, ZeniMax, uh, which was um, purchased by Xbox. Yeah. But it said, it's this is what I thought was interesting, other members on ZeniMax's board include... Hollywood producer Jerry Bruckheimer and baseball legend Cal Ripken Jr. What? 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 Cal's in there? What are you doing, Cal? What are you doing? And not only this, Altman was married to Linda Carter, who's best known for portraying Wonder Woman in the 1970s television series. So I didn't know that either. That's amazing. Like, it's really incredible to see the network of some of these people that how how some of these people are just connected to video games somebody that you'd never think was was into you know on a board you know board Mm -hmm. member for a video game parent company cal ripkin jr out of nowhere what i mean i guess when he's not playing baseball he's uh what can we re-release uh skyrim on what can we re-release Skyrim? <laughs> he's the sole reason yeah. behind this. He's it's his it's his favorite game, mm-hmm. and every every year he's like, okay, what are we releasing? What are we releasing Skyrim on this year, guys? Have we thought about the pregnancy test? Pregnancy test? Did you see the video I sent you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining Cal Ripken Jr. being in the board and knowing nothing about games or even caring, but like because he has a stake in it, he has to okay stuff and. And so they're like they're talking about like you know what they're gonna re-release Skyrim on again, and they're all getting kind of like yeah 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 yeah, and they, they all they all turn to Cal at the same time, and they're like Cal, what do you think? And he kind of scans the room and you know deadpan face, 
and he gets his arms up in a batting stance and swings and says, I think it's a home run. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone says, Love yay. <laughs> yeah, Cal. Yeah, Cal. That's why you're Cal. here. That's they, <laughs> I just imagine that Cal also just practice swings in the hallway when he's yeah. like waiting for the board board oh, yeah. like yeah. the 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 meeting to mm-hmm. start. He's just in the hallway kind of like you know like golfers do those like crazy mm-hmm. little golf swings. He's over there doing his like little bat swing and he gives this he you know he kind of just like winks and Gives you one of these, but mm-hmm. I swear, I swear if he does, you know, there's got to be like a cartoon twinkle that comes right out of his eye oh, or yeah. like something hit the, the light hit his eye. That's <laughs> the right. The light hit his eye and it made a twinkle. Did you see? Bruno, it's 9 p.m. <laughs> the sun's been down for hours. Well, I saw, I swear. He's not even here. <laughs> He's not even here. Yeah. Amazing. But uh, yeah, I mean, wow, just just franchise after franchise. My God, even Castle Wolfenstein. Wow. Like, I mean, and that's the that's one of the granddaddies of uh, of first person shooters. Goes without saying, rest in peace to uh, to Robert Altman. And uh, yes. certainly a, a major legacy. Definitely, a, definitely a sad day in the in the gaming industry in that regard. So but on a uh, on a slightly more upbeat and confusing note, we do have one more article to talk about, which is that Apparently, Apple is trying to get in the VR game. I don't. I mean, Bruno. Look, I mean, and we'll just we'll just say this outright. Both Bruno and myself aren't really big like Apple people, and I'm not trying not to anymore. say that to like to like diss. You know, if if you've got if you're big into the iPhones and all that, that's that's your call. Um, yep. You know, but. I mean, and I know at one point, Bruno, you were an Apple guy, right? Oh man, for so many years, I was an Apple fanboy, and then all of a sudden, they just started to steadily drop the ball and I'm not saying it has anything to do with Steve Jobs death but it has everything to do with Steve Jobs mm. death it just it just started to the quality just started to degrade throughout time and it became more about getting your money and I don't like that in companies that that's all they're after like I know that that's every company is obviously yeah. out for your money but I like when services provide things for fans that fans want and do it at a at a in a way that's not price gouging and that's kind of my beef with with apple and why i decided to just part ways and build my own pc Mm -hmm. and i have not looked back i have loved every minute of having a pc it is amazing because i know that everything that i download or every possible plugin or whatever is made for PC first and very rarely is there something that I can't get because it's a Mac exclusive because it just doesn't happen. But being with Mac for so long because I'm a designer and a motion graphic artist and so for a long time uh, Mac was the de facto like video editing platform and so I kind of had to be on it. Mm -hmm. And now with things like uh, Adobe Creative Cloud, that's really taken the forefront in the creative sphere. So I personally don't like Apple anymore. Moving towards the PC, it confuses me as somebody who used to like <laughs> Apple why they decided to do this because yeah. – I don't I don't understand like I I don't first of all I don't think we need any more VR competitors. Let right. Facebook do it. Just let them do it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like we don't need a, comp- a like PlayStation doesn't need its own proprietary PSVR. I know they they're they're doing it and it didn't really get off the ground very well, but just let Facebook do the the VR stuff and let them tackle it and start supporting games for that instead of trying to develop your own technology because I am I can't deal with it. I can't deal with another person coming in, especially mm. Apple. I mean, now we've got Amazon that's like, "Hey, we're going to get into the gaming mix and and Google finally came to their senses and were like, we're getting out of the gaming mix. And now Apple says we're getting into the gaming mix. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't it's too, do it. It's too I can't much. keep up with this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 a strange announcement. It's not even an announcement. It's a report about 
you know, what is supposed to be coming. And not all of it's 100% verified as far as I can see. It's but so, some people seem to have some knowledge of, of a product. And, you know, it, it's you're, you're right about about Facebook and Oculus in the sense that the, the VR market has already kind of hit a point of saturation. Oculus is definitely the has the most, um, you know, name recognition in terms of uh, just if you ask anybody to name one VR, you know, producer, they'd probably yeah. say Oculus, um, <laughs> especially with the Facebook acquisition. It's just it's 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 a household name now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even they have had some problems with all of their headsets being, you know, successful and have had to kind of really focus it on the Quest and the Quest 2 because of how how successful those headsets have been for them. But you also have other companies like HTC where they've been releasing a lot of headsets and some of them have been very expensive that really haven't panned out for them the way that they were hoping in terms of just getting people to buy the products, you know, especially when um, when Steam came out and released their their headset. It's a very good headset, you know. Um, a lot of people that were playing Half-Life Alex, you know, they were playing through through Steam's through Steam's offering. And, you know, it's just, especially when you see, so in this article, they're saying that this headset is going to be an 8K display in each eye. So one eye will have an 8K display blasted in front of it, um, and that they're looking at a potential price tag of $3,000. Now, Uh. just off the top of my head, yeah, if you're putting a single 8K display in someone's eye, if they actually can pull that off... Then yeah, it's probably going to cost three thousand dollars. I mean, you're, I mean, you're taking talking about an eight, how much an eight K TV costs these days? Shrinking it down to a size where you can put it right in front of your eye, if they can even pull that off. I'm I'm very skeptical if that's even possible. But yeah, you're exactly I mean, right. I just got a four K TV. I'm right. and now they're coming out at eight K. By the time I get that, will be sixteen K. Or 32K, I don't know how it works exponentially. So <laughs> the price point at $3,000 to me is is 100% Apple because they came out with those like $900 wheels. Weren't they like wheels for the Mac Pro? I think it was just the legs where you could like have like a the, stand were, for it, right? They were wheels, $700. They were $700 oh. wheels. Wheels. For the Mac, it's the Apple Mac Pro wheel kit. Six ninety nine mm-hmm. on Mac, uh, Apple accessories. Yeah, they're just they're just wheels. That's all they are. Wow. Just wheels that go on to the Mac Pro, which the Mac Pro is like six thousand dollars, and it's probably about a three thousand dollar PC. So that's you know interesting in and of itself. And then if you wanted to kind of roll around or maneuver around, you've got to be able to afford $700 worth of wheels. Mobility comes at a cost. It really does. And I didn't realize (laughs) it was $700. That's that's more than like tires for a car. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. It's like twice as expensive as like normal tires for for a car, right? So. But what's crazy is they wouldn't charge those prices if people weren't paying them. Like enough people are saying like, yeah, that's that's the accessory for me. Got to have it. That like people are willing to, uh, I mean, if if it was just sitting there with no inventory moving, they'd have to reassess the price. Yeah, I think it's probably at this point, it's just a matter of brevity, you know, like Mm -hmm. the idea of being able to just say, oh, yeah, I own the I own the wheels, too, for it. Like some pretentious D-bag out there is collecting all of the Apple products, thinking they're making they're they're making a great impression on everyone when we all know that that's financially financially irresponsible yeah. and very wasteful. You don't <laughs> need I could get the same thing out of one of those little scooter things that we used to roll around on uh, our butts in and PE. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 the yeah. ones we all pinched our fingers on. The that will work just <laughs> as well and i could double as a little scooty thing for myself yes whenever i wanted to move around so yeah. who's the real winner here apple me or you and yeah I, I i had one of those as a kid and yeah many 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 pinched fingers and, and skin incidents oh man that was the those were the times in pe when they broke mm-hmm. those bad boys out you yeah. knew it was about to it was about to get lit yeah. like pe was What'd you do today? Oh man, P was awesome. We played this game where we rolled around on scooter things on our butts. Yeah. 
either that or that little rainbow uh parachute that every every PE teacher had. I don't know why why they had that yeah. or where they got it. Right. There's like there's got to be like a a sky mall for PE teachers, like right. PE mall or something like that. Yeah. So that way they can order all those cool PE teacher stuff. I'm pretty sure they got the parachute thing from like a tiny circus warehouse cuz that's exactly what you would need for a tiny circus is a is a, is a dome that size. <laughs> Is <laughs> a doom that says, yeah. "Welcome to the Chinese circus, circus house." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Or, like I said, it, it, they literally just stole somebody's parachute, and so somebody's out there. Okay, did everybody check oh, their packs? Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why they don't. That's why they don't make them ra- rainbow parachutes anymore because all the PE teachers were were, were sneaking in there. Exactly, that's mm-hmm. true. They wanted them. Yeah. They, they know. They, they know. know. Oh boy. So at first, when I saw this article, I thought, okay, three thousand dollar price tag potentially, according to the report, maybe you they're going to go sign me up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. Uh, get my pre order in now. Yeah. But obviously, you know, it's the first thing I had to think was that this thing has to be made for professional use. You know, there's some kind of business use case. Because, like, for example, the Canon um, it has uh, announced they're making, like, this augmented reality headset, and it costs, like, $30,000, but, like, what oh it gosh. can do is absolutely insane. But it's not meant for personal use. Like, you have, it's, it's very much marketed towards businesses that can, uh, like, benefit from, like, 3D space creation and, and that kind of thing. But in this case, here's why I think I know that they're actually intending this for personal use, which is that the story says the headset will feature swappable headbands akin to the Apple watch wristbands. Mm. So the idea is that you can kind of customize and personalize the device, which to me automatically rules out that their aim is to have this be a business-only application. So which and when has um, uh, when has Apple ever really done that? Like, right. have they ever really done that? Yeah. So it would be a first if that was the case. Right. And here's where it gets, I think, especially uh, outrageous. We're talking about a product that probably won't come to fruition at all until like 2022. And again, all, there's already all these other companies that have such a foothold in the VR space. And who knows what the demand for VR is going to be, you know, even a year from now in a market where pretty much anybody that wants to just get affordable, accessible, good VR is going to get it through Oculus. The Quest and yeah. Quest 2 are such a breakthrough in, in VR technology um, for such an incredible price. Like, it's hard to it's hard not to take that option if you're like, hey, I'm in the market for VR now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's where I think Apple is going to have the biggest challenge here is not only do you have to sell somebody a $3,000 headset and whatever accessories come with it for God knows what price, but you also have to have a market of games and applications that actually work with your tech because not <laughs> yeah. every right like you know you're not they're not you're not going to get access to the Steam VR store at least I don't think you will and so even even if they do like these de- these developers they're not making games that are oriented towards someone that has two 8K displays right in their face like they're making it for the guy that has a quest or a Quest 2, where it's like a 720p display tops, you know, and they're they're always yeah. going to program for the lowest common denominator. And that, I think, is the biggest problem with, with, with VR production, is that you're already making games and content for a niche audience. It's very difficult to convince somebody to make a game for a product that, you know, very few people even own or are going to consider <laughs> buying your game on. And to make like a triple A quality title like, you know, Half-Life Alex, which is probably the best that and I think Boneworks have been the two biggest like VR games in a very long time. Who is going to say, yeah, let's sink, you know, countless millions of dollars into Apple's platform, whatever it'll be to produce games for a, for a hardware that like a dozen people own. Yeah. I think we might start seeing it in a more educational use. That's prob that's like my best guess out there of mm-hmm. like why somebody would own this and I think in in terms of an educational usage, you you could easily find a way to to incorporate that with museum walkthroughs and mm-hmm. being able to actually go Go to these certain locations now with things like a 3D, uh, 360 degree camera, yeah, and have these VR experiences of like walking through the Sistine Chapel or the Louvre or whatever it may be, and experiencing it with this uh, VR headset. So 
in that respect, I would say if that's their aim, if their aim is to just make it purely educational and to start doing things in that in that way, then we'll probably see it adopted the same way that like an iPad Pro has been adopted to where it's used by certain professionals and because of the price point, that'll be enough <laughs> for for Apple to make a profit off of the, uh, the system itself. But you're right. Who's going to sit there and say like, okay, you've got these specs that no one else has and this proprietary system that no one else has. It's going to be the it's going to be very hard to get people on board with that unless they start doing something like they've done before with like the dev kits for apps and stuff like yeah you know in that in that in that respect you know what i mean so i don't know it's who's what gaming company out there is really working on vr stuff to begin with that's not somebody like EA or I think like isn't there a Star Wars VR experience yeah. coming up? And I mean experience is always the word with that type of yeah, game. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like it's and that's my point. Like yeah. there it at this point, even the language and thought process behind VR video games is still very much up in the air. It's unknown as to what we're going to even call this let's just call it an experience because it's not really a well thought out game it's it's more so things that the the system can do and you've pointed out before that there are some games out there that take really good advantage of the of the technology like beat saber and whatnot mm-hmm. but those are few and far in far between the the experiences the the batman experience and the star wars experience so those to me seem seem like the wii sports of vr <laughs> i feel like those should be included yeah. with the the you know the the system that i get the headset so that way i can just jump in and like wield a lightsaber that's the first thing i want to do right so you're right Video game companies and developers are aren't even thinking about VR right now. They're solely focused on moving towards a, a more like, like a higher fidelity of graphics. So it's it's interesting that Apple is coming out so late in the game too. Like, come mm-hmm. on, we've had the Oculus is working on their second variation, like you yeah. said, and the HTC has has gone through some some upgrades as well. So, right. what are we doing? <laughs> Why are we so late to the game? <laughs> and even the article that we're looking at, you know, talks about how you know they their their take on it is that it, it very well could be, like you said more like it's a dev kit that is used to help people kind of work in augmented reality, kind of like that Canon hardware I was talking about. Um, yeah. Because it does, this thing is supposed to also have enough cameras that like it will offer, you know, a pretty a pretty good AR experience as well as VR experience. Um, and that could be kind of the angle. So it, it's very possible that we're just missing a very critical component. And remember, this is not an official announcement from Apple. This is just, you know, a report of, of someone that has, uh, you know, credible information saying, hey, like they're they're working on something, something VR. Um, and that's, <laughs> they're, you know, they're, they're, and of they're dipping their hands in yeah. it. So. And it's our job to speculate wildly and uh, and assume the, the wackiest scenario of all, which is Apple and VR with uh, two 8K TVs right in your face for three thousand dollars, which is very Apple. And. You know, it's very QTB of us to talk about something like that. And I just want to say to all our listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in yes. to today's episode. It has been a pleasure as always. Man, I look forward to each and every podcast. Every Between each one, I'm like, I'm ready for the next one. I don't know about you. But I get super pumped and I'm ready for the next. I just I just want to get dive in yeah. with Nick and, and just talk about 
about it. And I'm excited, like he said, with every new listener that we get, we are doing amazing things with the website. So be sure to check out quitthebuild.com where you can find pictures of all the things that we talk about, little articles uh, from some of the other members in Team QTB, like our, our previous guest, Justin, has some amazing articles on there about Resident Evil and Shenmue. And man, those are just a delight to read. Yeah. They just bring back so many nostalgic memories. So that's super exciting. Nick, what do you think? Well, I, you know, you're right. It's uh, this is this is so much fun to do, and it's you know our listeners that are making that possible because otherwise we'd be just be talking to ourselves every twice a week. And <laughs> I mean, I, it's a nice conversation, but that'd be yeah. a little weird, right? So yeah, thanks guys so much. And yeah, you know, we've got a lot of cool stuff on the horizon, not just on the website, but also some new segments that we've been talking about. Uh, definitely uh, uh, tune into our next episode um, where I will be interviewing uh, some indie game studios. Uh, over yeah. the course of some several episodes, we've been talking about trying to help uh, kind of shed a spotlight on on those indie developers and the cool games that they've been making. So we've got some select uh, select picks that we have uh, lined up some interviews to learn more about what they've got going on, and that's going to be uh, a fun thing. So definitely stay tuned for that. And like you said, yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, can't wait to do it again. Well, for Nick. I'm Bruno. And for Bruno, I'm Nick. Peace out. What it do. 